what is going on? 301 episodes now. Can't believe I actually uh, did 300. I think I didn't think I was recording for a second. I mean, it wouldn't have been as awkward because then I would have just redo it. But you know, I I I I, I love. I take pride in what to call when I record, right? That when I say, I mean, you know, only thing I can take pride of, you know, I can't, I certainly can't take pride of my fucking looks or, you know, the way that my aesthetics are, right? So, if I'm going to take pride in one thing, I guess, is like, me being able to record something and then feel like it's like completely genuine. And then you find out that it's not recording and you got to do that same energy again. It's like, I, 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 I hate myself even more for having to like, work. like, I, cause I hate anything that seems like it's rehearsed, basically. You know what I mean? That's why I dread fucking reading recaps because the only way that I can uh, concentrate on the thoughts that I have for the show, but at the same time, I need some type of um, spontaneity on the show with my fucking thoughts. So sometimes I jot shit down and hopefully I can like salvage something from it. And then you know, I get I get mad sometimes because I I can't even memorize what I've written down about it, and I'm like I've written all the fucking good the good lines. Are, are in in a in a fucking stupid journal entry that fucking a hidden few can probably see, or spy on or something like that. You know what I mean? So you have no idea where things are gonna go. Especially with your especially when your mental illness shit is fucking kicking in. Like, see, the, 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 this is why I hate overthinking some of the fucking movies and television shows you watch, especially when I believe they're showing you like. Like, the struggles of, like, you know, um, meaning, like, you know, when you're in your mind so much, you wonder if, like, like, like before I used to think, they just, okay, just in my head where I'm just kind of engaging with the past or performing something, uh, you know, but now it's like, am I channeling something from a different fucking world where, you know, I'm, like, confronting people from my past or I'm getting into, like, hypothetical arguments and practicing how to fucking defend myself and all that kind of shit. And it's like, you know, it's just constantly, you know, when you're alone with your thoughts and you had to fucking rely on yourself mentally to, like, figure out, you know, the the ways of the fucking world. At least the best way that you can understand it. Even though most people would probably say I'm out of my fucking mind with the way that I analyze the world. That's fine. But, you know, uh, you know, at least I'm not using my mental illness to make fucking people's lives even more horrible behind the scenes while you have this sociopathic fucking aesthetic of making yourself look like because you wear a suit or you dress nicely or you have a nice fucking car or you have the fucking girl on your arm, you know, and that, that suddenly that means you're a good fucking person when anybody that, you know, who has mental illness in the system, you know, you either, you know, suffer for your mental illness or you, I mean, suffer like, you know, like on the surface where everyone will now goof on you. You'll constantly take L's and all that shit. And to me, it feels like, uh... To me, it feels like, um, you know, then the people who are, you know, like, you know, seem like, like they're okay, they're the most mentally ill, especially with the closer you have the proximity to fucking power, then you will, uh, you know, the, then you can just do a bunch of mentally ill shit and, you know, you can do it for the worst of humanity instead of trying to fucking actually, you know, give people the answers of how to fucking, you know, overcome mental illness on a fucking higher level, because you can go to all the doctors you want, I suggest people go to doctors if they really fucking need uh, help and all that, but realize that the fucking doctors still work within the system, 
and the system is designed to constantly keep people, you know, like, you know, losing their fucking mind all the time, especially with the constant fucking trauma you're putting people in by making all these little microaggressions or aggression, aggression shit, aggressive shit, and then you come and, and then you uh, get mad that people are uprising or, you know, trying to protest uh, horrible things that are going on. And uh, they constantly fucking have everybody in every in-group, every group fucking fighting with each other because they don't want people to come together on any fucking level. And uh, it becomes really... And, and the thing is, even the people that say they want people to come together, even some of those people are not fucking completely genuine because you wouldn't want to align with people that are serving whites, like, that are actively representing white supremacy. But now... Because, you know, you need the cartoonish way of how Nazis fucking look. You, you know, you, you can't fathom that, that there'd be a Nazi who would pretend that he's not a Nazi and be like, oh yeah, no, I believe in socialism and I, I, I believe in the, in, in the, you know, in, in, in the right to uh, this, the right to that. And you go, oh, well, this guy seems progressive because he's saying all this progressive stuff, but does he actually fucking feel that progressive stuff or is he just fucking finding a new like you see this is a problem when you put someone in a box you think they gotta be what the stereotype is even though like it's beyond being a fucking stereotype it's like a new aesthetic it's a new game and they tie it in with like you know the old aesthetic and then because there's cartoonish shit that's being you know propped up on the surface for viral fucking video shit then you go, oh shit, this is like, you know, just like in the ninth, you know what I mean? So it has to be, only be seen in those kind of eyes, right? It's, it's like if, like, let's say, for example, if you're approached behind the scenes and you had to get, you, you have to have problematic things about you, right? And then you're choosing you're choose between one thing. You could go, you can do the most obvious racist fucking thing, or you can do, you can add to systemic racism on some level. Thing is, the systemic shit obviously is going to be a lot worse and it'll be called out. Right, obviously on some level. But if you do like the cartoonish blackface or say a racial slur, that one's gonna be propped up as like the number one hit on like the billboard fucking charts of discourse, basically. You know what I mean? So then you so so you're constantly thinking that that's the only soul fucking racism that you can get mad at mostly. And then the other stuff is not as bad because it's so subtle you can't even fucking see it, even though the subtle shit it's probably the most harmful shit that goes on. You know what I mean? No, no, not that I'm condoning anyone. I'm just saying that. But, like, when you're given a fucking deal like that, it's like, let's say you're cho- let's say you're chosen to be a public figure and you're supposed to have a couple of scandals. Do you choose the most obvious ones where, on a social level, you'll be called out and you'll be propped up as enemy number one? Or do you do the subtle shit where, what's it called, like, pe- like, like, you know, p- people who are not getting as propped up will discuss... Like, the fucking systemic fucking and fiscal fucking shit you're doing. But it won't get as much traction because, you know, even though that that would be the worst kind, obviously, right? I don't know. Let me go find my fucking back scratcher for a second. Hold on one second. I, I hate having the back scratcher. I found it. I thought I had to go, like, you know upstairs or something and fucking find it or something. But it was right by the fucking shelf outside. 
I love the fucking back scratcher, man. Sometimes you you need a back, especially when you do. I it it beats because for the longest time my arms don't reach certain parts of my fucking back because my T Rex arms, right? So I always had to fucking do it like a bear where I'd go find a fucking tree or a fucking bookshelf corner and fucking just rub my fucking back against it and hopefully it'll stop the itching. But now when you get the now when you get the fucking back scratcher. You can, like, you know, reach all these fucking parts in your back. Especially all the flabby parts that I have. And now you can fucking, you know, do a nice fucking little scratch, basically. You know what I mean? You feel so much better. It's, 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 this is why I fucking shave my fucking... This is why I shave my fucking back, man. I hate when, I, when, when it grows... Because it, it, it doesn't seem like it's growing anymore. Because, uh... You know, because now my chest and back hair now have gray in them. So when 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 the hairs are fucking forming up, you, you don't really see them as much. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, my chest to be seems so much more hairy. But then because now uh, I see little like little white hairs before they even develop when I shave this shit off. Because I have to fucking groom my chest and back, man. You know what I mean? It gets way, it gets way. Because again, I've been hairy since I was a little fucking kid. You know, I have to get goofed on because I would man, I would man groom, and a lot of people my age didn't understand that because uh, they never grew facial hair properly. You know what I mean? Like, like, like they weren't like I was already a fucking hairy dude. Like I, I, like I used to get a. I remember when I was a kid, like fifteen years old, I was at a convenience store with my little brother, and I, I was like really, really, this is like when I was like really, really, really fat. I mean, I, I am fat now, right? But, like, I was, like, a very fat dude, and I was, like, a, a very hairy dude. And about the cold, uh, he, he thought my brother was my fucking son. And I was, like, holy shit. So, you know what I mean? Like, so, I've always been, like, a very hairy-ass fucking dude. So, that's why I've always... I, I think I was ahead of the curve with the whole man-grooming thing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I, I should have I explained, explained this a lot better, but... People didn't, people didn't understand it because they they weren't growing fucking back or fucking chest hair. They were they, they didn't know shit about it, so I couldn't really explain it to them because I didn't know how to explain. It. All I knew that it made me it made me feel a lot better to not have this fucking you know, not not have this shit on me. I actually waited till two thousand six to fucking start. I, I I never realized how hairy my back was. It was mostly my chest that I fucking do, but then in two thousand six I started fucking realizing that I can do the back. And, and and I started doing that. And I was like, oh my god, this feels so fucking good. This feels like, you know what I mean? Cause I, I I never I never understood how much because I didn't think I had a hairy back because it was only the top half that was hairy. I thought to have a hairy back it had to be like the whole entire back is covered up. Like you know, like, like remember that guy that guy from Los Barricos, Miguel Perez. That see that dude was fucking hairy as hell. That guy's back was fucking totally fucking covered in in hair, whatever, and all that. So I thought I had to be his level to uh, be technically, you know, a hairy back guy. But I didn't know the whole fucking top half was like, you know, making its own little, like it had its own little afro, basically. You know, I don't know how I got in the conversation about this, but. This is what happened when you don't really have... I mean, this, this conversation could never really have happened with, like, trolls in my Periscope or live thing before because they would have found a way to, like, kind of, like, you know, make me feel like shit. They'll probably do it, uh, you know, you know, again, by themselves on some level. Um, they'll probably, like, you know, do it in the privacy and then 
maybe make mention of it on a, on a, on a, on a Reddit or something like that. Who fucking knows at this point? But that's what happens when you know you have a back, you you have backages and all that shit. Thing is, I I have no idea what's going on, um, with you know, um, with the, with I'm trying to find out who. See again, this is what happens. This shows you that, especially for dumb people like me. I'm sure smart people already have their narratives. Like, everybody online, every click has their narrative of who's right and who's wrong in a situation and who's on the right side of this whole Ukraine-Russia thing. So, okay, so, again, I don't know. I, I, I just know that Elon Musk, I've I heard of stuff that he's involved with, with technology and all that kind of stuff and what kind of stuff over the years. Like, you know what I mean? You, you, you hear stuff because, you know, because they present these billionaires like fucking good people. But then, like, you know, a lot of people will then criticize some of the fucking, e- some of the horrible shit they do. Which I always think is, like, you know, I always think that these, these public figures and celebrities, they live in such a gray area. Where people think because you're pointing out, like, somebody is, like, you know, he, he fiscally did something, whatever, and all that. Not saying you shouldn't call it out, by the way. I'm just saying that. Like, people act like these guys don't want that to be called out or anything like that. Like, even though we live in a time where it's by design that everyone's calling this shit out. And it's way more fucking obvious because the billionaires are supposed to be the fucking villains. Even though they live in a gray area. Like, I'm not saying they're good, you know, and all that. But I do think there's gray area and, and they control the good and the bad of whatever they do. And when you're supposed to fucking hate them, then you're supposed to call out the shit they're fucking doing, basically. So, you know what I mean? So, I, I can never keep up with all the fucking shit that Elon Musk has fucking done, right? But right now, in this current juncture, everybody who is pro-Elon Musk is just going to ignore what, whatever evil fucking shit he done. So, uh, he apparently has been supplying his Star, Starlink military communications equipment with uh, apparently Ukraine. I just thought, okay, maybe he's just helping out people in Ukraine a little bit, but then people are like, he's giving that equipment to the Azov Battalion, and obviously those guys are fucking Nazis or whatever, so now he's getting threatened by, you know, the, the fucked up thing is, I think the Azov Battalion also kind of like, since like a lot of these people are aligned on some level, it's not about country versus country, it's about the ideologies that are connecting, so even though he might be helping the Azov Battalion or, or whatever, but the call, like, I still believe that all the people that are going to turn heel are going to be aligned with Putin and, uh, and, 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 those, and those guys, and, and a lot of the fucking neoliberals and neoconservatives are going to implement what Putin is doing in their own way, whatever. So then you constantly have, because, because they're making it seem like it's country versus country, even though I think right-wing elements are going to be implemented um, in all fronts of, of the world. So that's why you, you're not going to believe that Russia is a threat because who's pointing out them being a threat? The country that has done more fucking threats to people o- over the world, right? And, and the history fucking shows that. So no one's going to fucking buy into, oh, Russia is a sole fucking threat when you showed otherwise. But the thing is, I think that's like also a, a decoy because they expect us to now... To now fucking... Like, trust me, Hillary Clinton and all these fucking people know that everyone's calling them out for their fucking shit. You, like, like nowadays, all these public figures come out and say, like, in a, in, in a world where, like, the worst shit is happening for regular fucking people. People are still fucking struggling. They're pushing people into a fucking corner. Your rights are being stripped away and all that kind of stuff. So when you come out on the fucking surface 
and then you know Hillary Clinton comes down the Met Gala. You really think like they they, they don't? I'm not saying you shouldn't call them. By, by, by me saying that they are aware, I'm not saying don't call them out. But you don't think that they are a step ahead. Like if they wanted to conceal how evil they are, they could literally conceal how fucking evil they are. You know what I mean? The fact that you know about this, like, it's like they're showing you because they're probably establishing that something bad is going to fucking happen and, like, you know, a really, really authoritative fascist fucking takeover is taking over in all fucking places on some level. In my personal opinion, of course, again, I can't prove anything that I'm fucking saying, but, you know, I'm still fucking, I'm still scratching my fucking, my back. I've been, I, 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 I don't know. But where else do you get this political analysis while talking about a hairy guy's fucking back, you know what I mean? Nowhere else, I don't think. And probably a good reason for it, you know, acting like I'm doing something fucking noble or something. I don't know why we can't. You know what? I'd rather be singing the Peter Gunn theme than singing the Growing Pains theme, so I'll take it. Dun 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I don't know. So I get I don't know what's going on, but basically Elon Musk is saying that oh uh, if anything happens to me, uh you know something like they 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 killed me or something like that. But it's like, dude, no one's gonna fucking kill Elon Musk, and he's way more power. And if something does happen to Elon Musk, he's probably fucking you know gonna find a way to like you know transfer his consciousness into a new body. You know, he has that technology, you know what I mean? He'll probably be on another fucking planet. He'll probably be living underground like a lot of these fucking public figures that are connected to the system on any fucking level they have there. You know, you go through the shit you go through so then you can kind of have that passage when you need to fucking actually, you know, make money behind the scenes. And behind the scenes, you'll be dead, basically. But I don't think anything's gonna happen to Elon Musk. It's it's, it's like, it's it's really... See, even when I try to see, because even when I try to, uh, you know, even when I try to look at Starlink, right, after, right, I go, okay, let, let me look at it by people I follow. And it's I never really get any, you know. See, like, like, like right here, there's an anonymous, an anonymous account, the, the main anonymous, you're non-central. He'll keep Starlink running online amid the ongoing crisis, whatever, right? And, you know what I mean? So you think, okay, well, he's doing a good job or doing a good thing here, but then think because he's a bad guy, you know, and people keep thinking that he's delivering it to the Azov. But I do think that, like, there's no way that Putin is against Elon Musk. Like, I know Putin is, like, shutting down any kind of dissenting voices as well. And the thing is, like, no one's really going to give a shit because the people that are accusing him of doing it have been people that shut down other people's speech. Like, I'm not saying that you should fucking just totally... But I think they've counted on that whole narrative of that the U.S. has done everything fucking evil, so that means you shouldn't be calling out other people who are fucking evil. And the thing is, like, some of the worst people are aligned with Putin in the U.S. anyways, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like meaning that like, if you're going to point out that the neoliberals are associated with some of the people in the Ukraine and all that, and I can find that's cool. Because, I mean, that's cool to point out because, yeah, there's obviously some instigating fucking going on. But then when it comes to Russia and being connected with some of the fucking main Republicans, the new right wing, then it's like, oh, the, the, that's not as bad because U.S. is going at Russia, even though this whole war probably has been inevitable from the fucking start. It wouldn't shock me if they always had to go this route anyways. 
they just overplay. You know what I mean? People, that's why people, you, you, you're supposed to think in specifics and all that kind of shit. But then the thing is, when you, look, when you don't look at the grand fucking view of the overall fucking, you know, the, the, the board game that's being played, you know what I mean? Then, you know, you, you won't fucking, you know, see what I technically fucking see. I'm not saying that what I see is right. I'm just a fucking delusional asshole. Then again, they the system themselves said that you can't take me seriously. I'm mentally fucking ill, obviously, right? So if I'm mentally ill, you can't take me seriously, then you don't mind if I just put out a couple of theories that I'm saying that are not fucking true whatsoever, right? Because, again, it's only... I, I can, oh yeah, I forgot I can only talk about conspiracies if it's pointing at only the Democrats in the most YouTube Illuminati way fucking possible. But I can't fucking talk about the conspiracy of how the right wing has made it look that, you know, because the mainstream media is so inept in what they do, that they didn't start marketing think tanks online to now become the new mainstream fucking media because more people are getting their news from TikTok, from Reddit, from Twitter, from all that. You don't think that's a coincidence? You think everybody online is just some crazy... I mean, the people are crazy online. But, like, by just dismissing that as just being crazy and people making up random fucking rumors, maybe you should think about the think tanks that are involved. Even the people who are progressive, they just dismiss the fucking... They, they dismiss the conspiracies. And even if the conspiracies are not wrong, you don't point out that these things are fucking funded. You don't point out that people are given incentive. Because maybe you also pay people online to control... To basically boost your fucking shit up. So then it basically proves that everyone... And maybe because I don't have anyone to boost me up... I, I I have no I have no fucking dog in the fucking race essentially, even though I want even though I I do want fucking whoever the good side is to fucking win, whatever you know this is. But uh, depending on who you ask, they all will have their val they will have their own quote unquote valid reasons. Like you know what I mean not, not not that they're valid, but they'll have their valid reasons for why they think that they're on the fucking good side. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of fucking people that are probably falling for the new right-wing fucking propaganda, not the typical old-school Republican shit, that they think that it's logical because the left has gone insane with some of the neoliberal fucking, um, um, you know, like, like, for example, they'll take a social issue and then they'll fucking make it see... Like, for example, whenever you, you, like... Like, like these... Like, remember when they were doing the whole uh, thing about how uh, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was problematic... Normally, that would have been, like, a, a comedian's joke about pointing in the irony and analyzing what the fucking... You know what I mean? But, like, now in this era, to become a sports entertainer, you have to make it, like, a serious thing. And then... So then when you hear people going, oh, my God, we got to cancel every fucking single thing, and you amplify that up over... And then you think that represents uh, all the fucking issues that are going on so you don't pay attention to the systemic shit because you're paying attention to the social shit then people will then, you know, think that it, that the left has gone insane with wanting to cancel everything. And part of me wonders if they overdid that on purpose so the people that are pushing back can now pump up their propaganda of making you so anti-woke. Because I'm not against wokeness. It's just people have limited what wokeness is and you've given an alley-oop to fucking all these right-wing fucking people who are, you know... Uh, you're giving you're, you're giving fucking carte blanche to a lot of the right wingers who are now going to use it for their own fucking control, basically. In my personal fucking opinion, that's the way I fucking look at it, man. I don't know, because now there's like you know the, 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 there's uh, 
protests happening in uh, you know in, in Kavanaugh on the weekend. I think people are at uh, Kavanaugh's uh, house protesting. So of course you know the, the, those people that are, are they're like oh no no we're I'm I'm with you on the whole. Uh, 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 I want abortion to be legal and everything, but hey, man, leave these uh, justices alone. Are you saying that because you know that the decision's already made and that these justices are just basically the faces who are supposed to be the fucking villains? Or are you running fucking cover for a lot of these people that are partaking actively in fucking taking away people's rights? So what would people fucking do? What did you think was going to fucking happen? It's like you condemn it, but the, the thing is, is like, you don't condemn, but like, you'll like have a harder stance against people who are fighting for their fucking rights than you would people who are uh, trying to take away people's rights. And that's like a stream fucking thing to do. And then yet when people are, are aesthetically assembling and protesting, you know what I mean? Not even getting violent, just showing up. You, want to call you, you think protesting is going to make people feel, feel comfortable? Then of course the right wing will use that their protesting um, is, 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 is like always uh, ridiculed and all that. And e even though they're not telling you everything, but yeah, the mainstream media will probably be hypocritical on some fucking shit on, by design so it makes you look like anyone else, that, any, any protest that they're supporting must be the agenda-filled one. Even though they could be supporting the right-wing protest, but they'll make it seem like they're condemning the right-wing protest. You know what I mean? And they won't be, they won't push as hard, like, they won't push as hard, but the thing is, like, even when they seemingly support some of the protests going on, they make it seem like they're doing it because they're fucking scared, and they're being bullied into supporting it, you know what I mean? They make, they, they, they make it seem like that, so then people automatically start thinking, well, the corporations fucking were uh, supportive of Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ stuff and all that, so that must mean that corporations are evil, so that must mean that these things are evil as well. And I and as someone who's been down that fucking road mentally uh, of being brainwashed, because the the mainstream media, the mainstream fucking puppets don't fucking explain shit to you. They'll just limit the fucking narratives, and they and then and then and then, so you either have to go okay. Well, this is the, this is the only truth I'm getting for my side, basically. So I better repeat these talking points, and and then and then the people who are opposing the fucking corporate Democrat shit will then look like they're the ones who are the heroes because they seemingly are just working class people. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm saying, but there's some people who are funded and can look the fucking part and pretend like they are. Are, are are actually fucking genuine, and when they're not, yet you'll you'll constantly call out like Colin Kaepernick for not being as genuine because on the sur. Listen, here's the thing, maybe he'll be a villain on the surface on some level, but like even if this was a mar like a marketing thing, it was for the symbolism of good, and the fact that like like if he wanted to fucking really scam fucking people and fucking uh and look look like completely like a fucking hero, they could normally organize that. His storyline was designed to go and earn or be an earner for his side. For his side, and he could be representing the good. And the thing is, all that money you might think he's just uh, keeping it to himself. But how do you know what he's doing? By you can't. If you're gonna help fucking fund people and 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 make try to make their lives better, especially for the oppressed fucking people out there. 
with the clothes. You're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna allow you to do it on the fucking surface. And you know what I mean. They would rather. They would rather you think that they're scamming fucking money and they made money. And, and you know what I mean. Cause they took the Nike deal and all that. You don't think that they knew that you'd be calling out him for the Nike deal and all that because Nike doesn't fucking do shit. Like you know they they have fucking sweatshop workers working there and all that. You know what I mean. And and, and again, it's by design to be called out. So maybe on the surface. Colin Kaepernick will be uh, known as a fraud on some fucking level, but like I think that on a symbolic level, he serves fucking good in my personal opinion. Especially when you have Antonio Brown calling him out, and then Antonio Brown acting like racism never existed or something. And then of course you, of course, put what he fucking said in the past about racism existing. So like you know, to me, it's like they everyone becomes a fucking character cartoon character and it feels like anyone who opposes Colin Kaepernick is like even though like the, the, the you know like the, the limitations and, and, and how you can do it so it opens it opens up for people to call him out even though everyone literally is compromised on some level and it just you focus on one or two people that's that that will become the news of who you focus on even though everyone literally partaking in the system is probably compromised on some level even the fucking so even the do-gooder so social climbers online who call out racism in the most limited fucking ways, but then they'll give carte blanche to other fucking assholes who are just as fucking racist, but because they're not focused on, it's not Hulk Hogan or anything like that, then you will fucking give it a fucking pass until you're permitted to fucking call it out. In my personal opinion, of course. Like, even, like, the, you know, the Chris Paul, and you know, see, the, the thing is, I think both sides of the argument are being funded, because, like, Chris Paul's, uh, you know, he's on, uh, what team is he on? I don't know what team is he fucking on, but apparently, you know, he's playing, he's playing da- the, the, da- Dallas Mavericks or whatever. So Dallas fans are pushing uh, Chris Paul's mom, um, you know, um, they're pushing his mom in, uh, in, in the, you know, and, and I'm, th- I'm thinking that, like, they're making it look like, even though, like, the, the system fucking funds these Arkham Asylum weirdos to, you know, because, again, you're, it's like GTA, you know what I mean? Once you become part of an online system and you become part of the dark web, you are given, like, little missions to, like, now become viral on some fucking level. So, like, th- th- this could be funded and justified in why, like, I I, I don't know if they're specifically trying to expose that, they're the, that like, you know, people's people's uh, mom, moms and 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 uh and wives are are targeted because i i do know it's funded or is it like a another way for sports entertainment to now kind of like you know like justify why you need to go get violent with some of these fucking people but if you're not going to expose like i i think that both sides of the argument are funded because now basketball players are going to be like people are going to feel for these basketball players who are who who whose whose families are being fucking tormented by some racist fucking fans and shit like that but I personally believe that it's all funded on some fucking level because everything in a, in a, in a twenty four hour in a twenty four seven you know news cycle, they need more fucking stories with every fucking thing that you're fucking seeing. That's why all the news is amplified because that's where all the storylines are going now online. And you know what I mean? It's more of the sports entertainment shit. So is the whole thing fucking orchestrated and uh, and organized, or is somebody like being paid to target some of these basketball players, uh, you know, families and all that? And it's putting it's putting uh it's putting uh you know some of the basketball players in bad fucking positions basically. But you know everyone's gonna have their side of the fucking argument basically when that when that shit happens, you know. 
Uh, hold on, UFC. Let me see. Tony Ferguson from uh, you know got fucking knocked out by uh, by Michael Chandler, and this guy's fucking face looks like a fucking you know this guy's face looks like a like a cartoon character man. He looks like a fucking and he looks like an NFT basically. I don't know how they fucking got that. You know what I mean? He looks like a, he looks like an NFT character. You know. But, you know, but I, I, again, I don't know who this UFC fighter was who said this. Cause, and the thing is, like, I, look at the, I look at the thread and I'm like, okay, maybe people will be like, oh, well, this guy, he really was something crazy. All this is just reaction gifs and all that kind of shit. That's, 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 that's all it is, but this is, you know, this is the way you said it here. I was exhausted. I'm about to launch this NFT. Okay. Last fight, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'm about to launch this NFT that's going to change the fight game. And I put in 30 all-nighters before that fight. I had herpes before that fight, two outbreaks in the span of a week. I'm here. I'm healthy. Let's go. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll fight. Dude, just casually drop it. Like, this is how much of a parody world we live in. Like, I guarantee you, like, this was designed. Like, you know what I mean? Because, again, whenever these events go on, they have to find something to do to get social media to talk about it. So, like, now just just half-assedly, like, this is something that, like, uh, like an SNL sketch or a Mad TV sketch would do to mock fucking, you know, UFC fighters or something. But, like, now, like, you can't really do sketches on these things because the things that you're goofing on now have become parody of themselves on its own now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. That's what it fucking seems like, you know? I don't know, man. It's just it's fucking, it's just a crazy-ass world. I just thought I was making his headway. It was Kendrick Lamar's new video because his album's dropping soon. His album's dropping, but he did a, a song called... Uh, what is it called? Uh, I can't let me see what it is. Kendrick. Kendrick Lamar. Hold on. The Heart Part 5. Let me see. I got to stop it. They've been taking down all the fucking videos that have been posted online about it. Listen, it's it's a good... It, basically, he uses deep fakes in it. He has OJ, he has Jesse Smollier, he has Kanye, Will Smith. And then he, he, he kind of raps in their perspective a little bit, but it mainly it was mostly Nipsey Hussle that he was rapping mostly in his perspective or whatever and all that, right? And, uh, you know, people already hated that for some reason because, you know what I mean? And then the people who love Kendrick are going to say everything he does is fucking cut to genius because all the people that all the people that he did a deep fake of on the album cover, there's a, a bunch of hands on, on, on the album cover. And apparently all the hands are from infamous photos of each of the person that they used the deep fake of. So like you know, so so like you know, the deep fake of O.J. Simpson wearing the black glove, that was one of the hands on the album cover, and people think, oh my god, that's so deep and genius. It's like, okay, dude, just, you know, not everything is fucking super genius because Kendrick Lamar did it, but like at the same time, I get tired of all the anti Kendrick Lamar fucking uh, sentiment as well too. You know what I mean? Like you just, you just like you know, you can't just say I enjoyed this and that's it. You know what I mean? That's you know, it can't be the conversation. You know what I mean? There has to be like, oh, everyone gasses it up and then everyone argues, and it's like you constantly find ways for people to constantly argue and not even have conversations about shit. That's why I don't even discuss music because no point. 
I just don't want to fucking study the fucking music and all that, so I can have discussions about it, but at the same time, it's like, no one's gonna, like, you know, at least meet my satisfactory fucking level of discussing fucking shit, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm thinking on a different fucking level, not to say that my level's better or it even exists, but, you know, I, I, I just think that I think on another level with certain things and I, I can't just fucking, you know, align with people who are just blindly gonna either dick ride the person or all that. That's why when, but like, you know what I mean, when I was a J. Cole fan and all that, like, I didn't know that J. Cole fans had, like, you know, this uh, reputation of being, like, you know, uh, you know, like every like literally every fan base is is, is miserable. It just chooses. It just when the is when the social climbers choose which one is to be made fun of for the most part, and you put them in a box, and then nothing fucking you know matters in in the long run. That's why I don't fucking even bother with that shit. Cause it gets it, it gets fucking tiring, and it gets fucking it gets it gets really really fucking bad, man. If someone can let me know who that fucking, if anyone listens to this podcast that, you know, actually wants to admit they listen to the podcast, can you let me know who that UFC fucking guy was who just fucking flat out said he had herpes? Like, that's such a wild fucking, that's such a wild, like, I remember there was a sketch on on SNL where The Rock and uh, Bobby Monaghan are, are in a sketch and they're, and they're doing, uh, you know, a wrestling promo. And then The Rock's promo basically is telling everybody that this guy has herpes. And buying money, you know, what I mean, he's getting, he's getting, like, he's getting personal with the, he's getting like specific, like personal, like with something you wouldn't see in a wrestling fucking uh, in a promo, or whatever, right? And, you know, and you know, and uh, he's like telling, hey, no, 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 just say you're gonna beat me up. That's all you need to do, really. And then he's like telling, talking about like, like, you know, like, like fucking with the guy and like uh, sending a photo, sending a photo, sending a photo of his daughter. Sending a photo of his daughter he doesn't even know to be uh, a picture of his of, of a new girl he met that Rock is controlling the the account, you know what I mean? Like it's I don't know it's it just comes across like one of those fucking promos, and then just how much of a parody world we're living in. Like literally everything is up for fucking sale. Like I just constantly fucking see I'm like what else are they gonna sell us? What narrative they're gonna sell? What what are they gonna use celebrities to fucking do? Like this new this new this new way of like how to discover new talent. I always believe like like because celebrities are like like are like royal family on some fucking level, right? If you have a good enough connection, right? So a lot of these celebrities are gonna have, like you know, they probably had bastard kids, whatever, right? And part of me is like they've always they've always had an eye on who their kids are, but when these celebrities are supposed to become villains on some fucking level, then suddenly they will organize their you know their you know their their bastard kid. To then um, obviously be revealed, and then they'll come out. And the thing is, they'll do it in interesting ways. Like for example, Tito, Tito, this girl named Jenny Santana, who's an indie wrestler. You know what I mean? She's I I I I think I've heard of her. Like I just I I never really seen her or whatever. But apparently, she found out that her uh, her dad is uh, her dad is Tito Santana. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh look, a co- a co- like I'm sure her name isn't Santana for real. But like the thing is like oh look coincidentally she finds out it's her dad maybe it's like it's, it's a new way to kind of gain support online basically because this is like the way like you know what I mean because again like it, it works in a royal family type of fucking way where you the system already knows where you start out and then they find a way to market you so now you're gonna root for her even more because she you know her, and uh, her and her dad getting together more or something but I guarantee you, you're gonna see more of those more of those fucking stories. I, I, I still think, like, I remember, like, like there was one, whenever, like, there was one about Howard Stern going around, that, um, Beth said that her, that Beth that hangs out with her cousin, 
and it looks exactly like her. And people thought that, you know, that was actually Howard and Beth's secret child that they had, like, in, like, you know, because, like, the whole, like, like the marketing they're doing for Beth and Howard, because, you know, Howard knows he's going to be a fucking hypocrite. He's going to be exposed, and he's going to limit, he's going to limit the way that he's exposed. So you're going to fucking show that, you know, he, he, uh, was with Beth before he said he was with her. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be revealed probably that he cheated on his wife with her and he made it seem like his wife was the one that was, uh... Because his wife, got, you know, got married pretty fucking quickly, right? So it must have mean that they're already setting that shit up, basically. You know what I mean? But again, I'm, I'm not saying that's true or not, but that was, like, the rumor that, you know, that, uh... This person named Claire something, you know, that, you know, uh... That that might be Beth and Howard's secret kid or something like that, and I'm not saying it is, but I mean in the celebrity world, it would not shock me that some of these people. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Bill Maher randomly starts having bastard kids show up. Imagine that. Like that's the next evolution evolution of the storyline. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the fucking stuff in in the in these. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's not even like their real life. It's like what you're supposed to see as their real life because you try to make it more relatable to regular fucking people. But none of these celebrities or public figures live regular fucking lives, man. Especially like the bigger fucking ones. I got to stop it. And every time you do, oh, sorry, but I don't know why I'm seeing that. Seeing the David, I'm seeing David Edmonds. Uh, you know, take me for a little while for some reason. I don't know. Chances are, if if, if the song was on Sopranos, I'm probably gonna end up fucking singing at some point. Um, yeah. You know, so Alex Riley was mentioned. Um, he was mentioned on the panel. Where, like, Booker T... And Booker T knows knows what he's fucking doing. Because Booker T now, his sole purpose now... He gives... Him and the panel give the most mediocre fucking analysis within the kayfabe fucking world. And then all... And then all of a sudden... Then all of a sudden, like, they'll say something that's supposed to garner some controversy online. So he he's comparing Moss to Alex Riley, but he said that Moss is going to make it. You know what I mean? Kind of taking a jab at Alex Riley. And the thing is, like, <clears throat> maybe Alex Riley is one of those guys that's in my position where he got screwed over so badly that people have, you know, bad perception of him because he hasn't represented himself when he has mental illness going on. But he really was someone that got screwed over. And, you know what I mean? And Because and, and, the way they keep hinting that, oh, when uh, Alex Riley decides to tell what happened between him and John Cena, that one's going to blow people away. Like they, They've been hyping that one up where it feels like down the line, you know, Alex Riley's supposed to get his vindication. But the guy clearly has mental illness problems and all that. And you can tell. And all that, I don't see why you'd... And, and again, this is how, like, people on... Because, like, when you have mental illness and you're, you're not in a good place in your life, you're probably also not going to represent yourself properly, right? And people will fucking shit on you. But then people will discredit you completely forever, ever existing. And these are the social climbers that want to forgive their problematic favorites. 
because a lot of these a lot of these social climbers online on Reddit and all that, they're not perfect people and they're also working with the fucking system, but they're playing regular fucking people who are reacting like, oh my god, can you believe No, the system has evil fucking shitheads in it. And by by design the system is fucking evil. By design the fucking even if you're a good person and a good soul, you're gonna be fucking corrupted a little bit being in the fucking system. And instead of fucking saying that, that's what happens. Some people get fucking, you know, kicked out of the fucking little mafia that they have and they you know go off and become obscure and irrelevant and then and then and then when the person points out the bit the more established person um you know um screwed them over you think anyone's gonna give a shit if john cena did something horrible to alex riley because alex riley hasn't been worth anything to a lot of these people so now john cena now who's making headways in hollywood if this were like 2010 you probably have the hardcore internet base kind of fucking, you know, um, like, take Alex Riley's side no matter what. But now that John Cena has endeared himself in a realistic way in in the form of Hollywood, people are obviously going to fucking, you know, take his fucking side because he's giving you more of the key entertainment. That's how... It, it doesn't matter who's right in the situation. People are going to f- justify why somebody who's more established is and who's more richer who, and, and, and more wealthier is going to be the one who you take the side. They, they can be the complete... Like, look at all the Elon Musk fans. They know that he's a shithead, but they, they're going to fucking ignore it and completely fucking... Completely fucking... Completely think that, oh, I'm calling out some other evil shit. Me, me dick-riding a fucking billionaire like Elon Musk is going to do something for me. So that, I mean, so that, that that's why, and, and Alex Wally should just, you know, not really say anything right now. He doesn't want to get piled on, whatever, and all that. Because it doesn't matter if he said it, even if he's justified in saying something, everyone's going to be like, oh, this guy never made it anywhere. It's like, maybe because he didn't want to fucking compromise his soul enough, you know what I mean? Not because someone's not fucking talented. Maybe some people don't want to, you know, compromise their fucking selves. You know what I mean? Even though some people might do it for the greater good so they can take some of the money they earned and maybe give back a little bit to help fund, like, things on the, on the low a little bit. You know what I mean? It's, it's not all cut and dry. It doesn't mean that you're completely evil. But, 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 but there's a difference between being in the system and trying to survive it and then being one of the representatives who are going to gladly parrot what the system wants you to fucking parrot. I gotta stop it. By the way, what's it called? I, I don't know. See, again, like, we, there was such a parody world that even, like, the controller narrative shit exists to be an online fucking joke, basically, until it needs to be taken seriously or there'll be something more problematic with it. But right now, no one takes anything fucking serious. Like, Bron- Braun Strowman, the Adam Shearer, he, like, has, like, a hawk. Like, you know how hawks, you know, the Legion of Doom here, like, he basically shaved off the hair and he has, like, uh... Like, you know, different hair, like, 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 like how Hawk would have his hair, basically, kind of in a way, right? I, I, it wouldn't shock me if this is, like, not even the real Braun Strowman, you know what I mean? Maybe it's one of his fucking, you know, uh, his malfunctioning fucking clones or something like that, while the real one's, like, getting, you know, prepared for something, but, um, but what they're called, he put out a video, and, uh, like, he has, like, a sword, he has, like, a, like, a, 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 I don't know, I don't know if it's a cleaver or a fucking knife or whatever, but he does his Joker impression, so everyone's, like, so here, here's all that's Why so serious? Is that a knife, a cleaver? Why so serious? And then he, and then uh, you know.
And 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 then like people are he, he replies to people all the time. You know what I mean? Like like, like like for example, someone goes, "What are you hoping to achieve with this, Adam?" Because exactly what I'm what is doing is going viral. I love trolling. It's too easy. And someone says, "Doing your best Ryback impression." I see. No wonder, uh, Troyer narrative is a bigger laughingstock than AEW. And he goes, "Shut up, Karen." Like, dude, like his, even his comeback is lame. And he goes, and then someone goes, "You working at Delhi Counter now?" He goes, "Yeah, it's, it, I, yeah, come get a, uh, come get a mouthful of bologna." Like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, man? I don't know. Can everyone stop doing the Heath Ledger Joker? Like, like, dude, like that. That's like the most over abused fucking shit going on right now. You know what I mean? It gets too fucking annoying, really. Of course, I gotta reply with this one. You know. That's right. That's right. Little fucking tough guy, huh? Kill you bastard, Chris. I got to stop it. Sorry. Do you hear DeSantis is like, you know, developing a victims of communism day? Jesus Christ, dude. Thing is, I don't even know how to really define because like, you know, like whenever like, these controversial fucking things come out, like communism and all that, people will then weaponize it and use it for like you know what I mean. Like they'll take neoliberal shit and then they'll say that's communism, and then you know what I mean. Then you you chastise anyone. So you mean like I just know enough that I know that I've heard, um, uh, from the entertainment world and uh, people who, you know, parrot, Western media shit have always had the same fucking talking points about it over and over again. And I've heard other arguments that counter it. That sound like, okay, it's not that fucking bad. But then you you don't know if you're falling for any type of propaganda. But all I know is that, like, you know, like, it isn't, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, for, like if you're going to say that's bad, then, like, and, and then they prop up capitalism. Then, like, you know what I mean? Like, they'll use the textbook definition of what capitalism is. Um, by the book, whatever, you know what I mean? The free market of ideas, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you find out that these guys don't play by those fucking rules. So, you know what I mean? So, like, so it's like, it's like there's no point in even learning anything, really, because every fucking, every other fucking year, like, the fucking information will fucking, the narrative will change. And they, pur- and they purposely do that. Like, they could, like, educate you right on about what the world is, what, what the world is, but they fucking limit the information. So they don't want you to get too fucking smart, but they want you on their side, even if it is a good side or bad side, whatever, right? But like, they'll never tell you the actual fucking information that goes on behind the fucking scenes. Like, they'll never fucking tell you the, the complete nuances of how this is supposed to go, how all this uprising is probably being orchestrated on some fucking level. And then the right wing will think that because George Soros has interest in the whatever is going on on the left, whatever, that's, that means that the people that are uprising are not, you know, are, are not genuine at all. Even though those people are then being funded by their own mil- billionaire think tanks by fucking far right wing people. But like, they got to make it look like they're the ones who are the most genuine with shit. <clears throat> at least how I fucking see it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it like that, you know? You know, I don't know.
Um, Ali, Ali uh, did some sketches. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see Mustafa Ali. Like, and, and these are not really that good of sketches. These are not really that good of sketches, but I guess Ali is, uh, you know... Let me see. So, so, so uh, part of me thinks that he's doing it horrible on purpose, like like making it completely SNL-like on purpose, because he's doing some meta work where he's trying to cater to what type of humor Vince McMahon likes, basically. But he's basically using, like, you know, doing the white face type of deal. And you think that, 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 that the, the white characters are going to support theory over Ali because he's Muslim, but he basically makes all, like, the the worst stereotypes of what you would imagine who would be against Ali to actually be against theory, basically. You know what I mean? So let me see right here. Hold on a second. poll results led to this report. <laughs> I'm Dennis Jones. Breaking news to start off tonight's broadcast. A new poll reveals that the current United States champion theory's approval rate is at an all-time low. The poll further states that the WWE Universe prefers theory as much as they prefer explosive diarrhea. We are not throwing See? into... Explosive diarrhea. So he's catering to Vince. So he's so basically, you're gonna cheer on what Ali's doing if you support him, right? But there's probably some people who think that this is genuinely funny. I don't think he's meaning it to be genuinely funny. I think he's trying to play off of what kind of fucking humor Vince McMahon likes over the top shit, basically. Of course, check read for more. Check, take it away. That's right, Dennis. Those alarming poll results led to this reporter hitting the streets to find out what's really going on. I asked members of the WWE Universe what they really think about the United States Champion, Theory. What are you kidding me? Theory ain't my champion. Look at that kid. He never worked a day in his life. He's all biceps and no balls. You want a real champion? Look at that kid Ali. Now that's a real champion. All biceps and all balls on that kid, yeah. Well, let me tell you something now. When I hear the United States Champion, I think of one thing and one thing only, and that's American Muslim. When I think of American Muslim, I do not think of theory. You know what I think of? I think about that boy Ali. Yeah, that's American Muslim. When I hear American Muslim, I think of Mustafa Ali. That boy, he got to drive a pickup truck or a Mustang or something like that. Theory, he he probably drive like a Prius or, or, or a minivan maybe. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that boy's up to. Oh, that Mustafa Ali, he's a sweet boy, sweet boy. Is not really that good? No, ma'am. The but, question is, what do you think about theory? Theory? Theory can go himself. I hate theory. That piece of Mr. McMahon's protege, but the people want him to go away. Back to you in the studio, Dennis. So, like, it'll probably, probably end up being a real-life storyline where, like, Theory had a... Not Theory. Ali had to do these to basically show McMahon that he's a quote-unquote sports entertainer, but I personally think that he knows that these aren't really the, the, the greatest fucking things ever, just showing some more character, but I, I personally think it's a meta thing where he's trying to... Uh, where he's trying to, like, basically goof on what the stereotype of what Vince McMahon's humor is like, but then using it to his advantage, basically. That's what I kind of see it as. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, 
these guys do these meta works online and all that type of shit, you know. But you you can never really keep up with like what's what anymore. Which is you know, which is funny. You know, people keep always shitting on Matt Taven. Like the thing is, right, Matt Taven, when he became champion, he actually built himself up well. Where in storyline on paper, it actually made sense. But because like they knew where the, where the wrestling world was probably going, they knew that when AEW created, like like ROH was gonna like it because like you know because they focused on on on, uh, on Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Cody Rhodes and all these guys, uh, who left for you know AEW. And then ROH kind of went down, and then, you know, they put Matt Taven in that position when the company was always going to go in the direction it was going. But they had to fucking sacrifice fucking Taven to be the guy of why, it, you know what I mean? Even though Taven does a fucking good job. I think Taven's a good character. I personally think that that was by design to now be used further to fuel Taven to become even more credible and more compelling down the line because everyone's using him as the bottom of the joke. And he he knows that. So basically, like, uh, what, what, what was it right here? Uh, let me see right here. Um, let me see what the tweet was. He just destroyed, he destroyed fucking uh, uh, Jay White with what he fucking said, basically. Um, so what the call, so uh, what, 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 what do you say right here? Hold on a second. Jay White... Switchblade J. Wright and Matt Taven back at it under siege, um, you know. And then uh, Matt Taven goes, only one of us walked out of MSG, the world champion. I'm Matt Taven. And, he go, and then he goes, and only one of us put their company out of, uh, out of business. And of course, every, every, every AW, New Japan, you know, every AW fucking shill, you know, was like getting on him, right? So then Matt T- Taven goes to him. This is like the best line. He goes, I already gave that line to Josh to say. But typical Bullet Club not coming up with anything original. That's fucking dope right there. I know, I know most of the internet fans are going to be like, oh, no, 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 that's corny. That's, that's, that's fucking corny to say that. Even though you keep hammering the hole in the line that, oh, he destroyed a fucking company. So, you know, I, I'm always, here's the thing. I, I, love, I like Bullet Club, right? But I also, I'm not going to fucking, you know, completely get, because, because, because like someone says something about anti-WWE. Like, you know, some of the AEW fans, they think that anyone that they back, that means that it's a, the most genuine and organic thing they're backing when they're backing another part of the fucking machine, essentially. So to me, and, and, and maybe I'm backing some of the machine, too, by fucking, you know, praising fucking, you know, Taven, basically, you know what I mean? But I, I always applaud somebody who's not going, who kind of, as someone who lived through the NWO and like, and people got buried for like trying to go at the NWO and WCW, I applaud people who can fucking at least, you know, call, like, you know, try to fucking uh, sling some venom back at people from the Bullet Club, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I better not say anything to the Bullet Club members because the online fans think they're more credible than me and they're going to use, oh, oh, he put Ring of Honor out of fucking business and all that type of shit, even though it was designed that way, you know what I mean? They always do that so they can kind of do it, but Matt Taven has been doing amazing in Impact, uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I've been a fan of the guy even in ROH. I thought he built himself up really fucking nicely, and I think he's a, a pretty good fucking, you know, pro wrestler. So, you know what I mean? I know that's going to take away my fucking remaining cool points that I have, but I don't really give two shits, to tell you the truth. You know? Uh, what else do I have here? Uh... Yeah, and then... um. I, I I didn't see the spoilers for Impact, but the Slammiversary main event. I on paper I'm kind of, I was kind of disappointed because I thought maybe they'd get like a, a bigger surprise for Josh's, uh, for his like you know uh, opponent. They're going with Eric Young. Here's the thing though, 
Eric Young has been doing some of his best mic work in uh, in, uh, in in Impact since he's come back from you know WWE and all that. And even though he's been cutting some dope promos, I don't think the feuds have like really like like lit the world on fire. Even though they've been like pl- like suddenly they just overdo it for so many months and all that. Even though I like the character work of what Eric Young is doing, Eric Young is still a solid in ring worker and all that too, right? I think that with this Josh program, it'll, his promos will actually like when if you're going for a main event title match and you cut those kind of promos that Eric Young cuts, this will fucking be a lot better because Josh and him will probably end up killing it in the ring. You know what I mean? So like I'm not as I, I, I initially I was disappointed that it was, but you know what? Uh, it makes sense because Eric Young has been there for like the he's been there for the the majority of the TNA's fucking run that existed for, you know for a while, and you know what I mean? He's like a very crucial part to TNA whether people want to admit it or not. And he, you know, built himself to being a main event guy in 2014. And now he's on another level with his promo. So I don't mind this at all. It actually would make fucking... It actually makes sense for this to be one of the the title matches for the 20-year anniversary of it. Because Eric Young has been synonymous with Impact. And he, you know, does really, really good character work. And this is going to be another solid defense for Josh Alexander to basically do. Okay, so another thing was, um, another thing was, um, Cody, I saw the Cody Rose on Austin thing. Thing is, whenever there's, like, an interview is, like, almost two hours fucking long and shit, I, I can't memorize every fucking thing that was said. And I, I, he didn't really say anything, like, disparaging against those guys and all that. I think the, one of the things that stuck out, other than going through his career in WWE about him uh, not, uh, he was glad he wasn't being put as a main eventer around 2015 because when Dusty died, he was still doing Stardust and he didn't think at that time he was ready for like a main event spot. So he was kind of glad he was doing Stardust and all that kind of shit. Talked about being frustrated before leaving and all that kind of shit. I, I can't keep with everything. I know he said that, like, you know, everyone always has their stories of what started AEW. And he kind of mentioned that, like, people have different versions uh, of, of, like, of, like, what really made AEW. He seems to think that the, the match between him and Dustin is what kind of put it on the map. And he, he's not technically wrong, because that was, like, one of, like, the... Like, within the first year of the company, that was, like, one of the premier matches that they told a good story, and it was emotional and all that kind of shit, and they told, like, a really, really cool story, whatever, you know what I mean? Even though I I wish Dustin was used, like, you know, on a more prominent fucking level when he came back, because I felt like, because he was used as, like, kind of, like, you know, comedy fodder toward the end of his WWE run, for the most part, even though he was, like, really, really good in the fucking ring still. That, like, you know, even though, like, for the internet, like, that would have been a good match, but, like, you know what I mean, people weren't as excited when going in because, like, oh, but this guy wasn't really, because a lot of fucking online accounts are like, well, Goldust wasn't really, you know, doing much anyways in WWE, so how is this, like, an, like, Cody Rose was kind of building it up as, like, him versus, like, the Attitude Era kind of thing, whatever, you know what I mean, he's kind of building in that kind of direction, like, him beating Dustin Rose kind of puts a dent in the Attitude Era, that's, like, some of the promos that were being cut for it, even though, like, it should, like, you know what I mean, like, you know, a more better fucking match for that would have been him versus Triple H, or something like that, you know what I mean, like, that's, like, you know, you know, someone that was, pro- Goals wasn't really prominent in the Attitude Era, he was prominent before the era kicked off, you know what I mean, like, I still think that he should have got, like, a, uh, a main, like, he should have got, like, a main event feud um, with uh, Shawn Michaels during the, t- you know what I mean, like, you could have put anyone in there instead of fucking having Sid in there, 
You know what I mean? Like, whether it was Vader or Goldust, it could have been either of those two. But, you know, they did work a lot of house shows together, Shawn Michaels and Goldust. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So you thought... Like, I, remember, I remember, you know, he was supposed to fucking defend the title to Goldust or something like that. Um, oh, no, he did, no, he, he did face Goldust, but I don't... Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, they, they could have given him that... Instead of, like, giving you a couple of months of, like... I, I enjoyed when, like, some of the In Your Houses... Where, like, you have, like, a month feud with somebody to kind of do something. And I felt like by extending the Bulldog and Shawn Michaels feud for so many months. And I wasn't really feeling that feud. It wasn't, like, one of, like, the more... Again, it was controversial. It was, like, a controversial feud because it was about, like, Bulldog's wife. And Shawn Michaels trying to sleep with her. And they're accusing him of that. Trying to get a title shot and all that kind of shit. Whatever. Um, but you know what I mean, like, but they, but, but they could have easily gone with, you know, uh, with like, you know, Goldust right after, um, right, like, you know, right after, like, you know, right after he beat, you know, Nash at, you know, Good Friends, Better Enemies, or, you know what I mean, you could have given him, like, the summer feud with, uh, instead of having, maybe you could have done Vader, and then you could have gone to Vader at Survivor Series, you could have built Vader up until Survivor Series, you could have had Goldust and, uh, um, and you, you could have had Goldust and uh, Shawn Michaels feud throughout the summer, basically. You know what I mean? You could have done a lot of fucking stuff with that. Especially with the incarnation of what Goldust was doing and shit. Um, but no, but, you know, what else was there? He talked about, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, them not really being as ready for WrestleMania against Randy Orton and all that kind of stuff, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't as established, and they weren't, you know what I mean, and it's like, they try to put him against Ted, because one of them had to make it, even though both of them could have made it, he talked about the good work he did with, like, you know, the fucking whole bass thing, you know what I mean, like, you know what I mean, he did the evolution of, like, the dashing thing, and it was, like, designed for him to get to that part where he was scarred up, even though he wasn't fucking scarred up, and all that kind of shit, um, you know, he, he went over that, you know what I mean, and, you know, he basically had, I think the one thing that stuck out to me was that, uh, he said, Something about how he wished that he, um, you know, did what Dusty did and protected himself a lot more. Even though people love Dusty for, you know, being the performer. You know what I mean? Not many people knew that he was a booker when, like, things were going around. Only you had to be a really fucking, you know, niche fan to know the understanding of the behind-the-scenes shit. But, like, there's no way that, you know, if he protected himself that it wouldn't have been seen as a booker doing it. Because we lived through the whole... I think, I think Jeff Jarrett was the one that kind of, like, you know, showed... Uh, like, what, what, why that was, like, a horrible idea to go all out, like, the way that he was, like, a ten-time fucking champion just to get himself in the NWA conversation and shit like that, right? And even though there's something to be said about Cody Rhodes actually, you know, uh, kind of doing that, like, kind of getting what he needed to, get, like, you know, get, he, you know what I mean? Like, I understand why he needed, like, I think, I just think that he gave away his matches too much where, like, you'd give small fucking victories to certain people, but it wouldn't really end up mattering and shit like that, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just didn't... Be, like, everything everything that he's been doing has been by design, in my personal opinion. Like, you know what I mean? The whole wrestling world works on a massive fucking work. And I just think that this is easing you in to an AEW versus WWE feud down the line. You know what I mean? With whatever happened... It can't happen under officially under Vince McMahon's tutelage. So it has to be, like, when Vince McMahon either drops dead or Vince McMahon sells the company and then the the new owners are more lenient about working with other fucking people, you know what I mean? And we'll have a new fucking invasion that goes on on some fucking level, I don't know. It feels that kind of way, you know.
Don't bring me down. I don't know. By the way, what to call whatever, you know, John Cena fucking says, you know, about, you know, the whole Alex Riley thing. All John Cena has to do now is just, you know, uh, cater to, like, you know, cool clicks online to basically now get support. All you gotta do is get followed by John Cena and you're gonna be, like, uh, totally loyal to him. You know what I mean? Whenever there's problematic things that are being said, John Cena will find, uh, you know, certain sectors of Twitter to, like, start following random accounts there. So then people now are going to be... Like, people pretend like they, they, they'll call shit out. But once a wrestler or someone follows you, they completely change who they are. And they'll start hyping up John Cena as this, like, number one fucking guy on some fucking level. You know? That's what ends up fucking happening, you know? But, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, let me get to... Uh, let me get to the fucking recap of, uh, you know... Uh, what is it? Um... What is it? Uh, WrestleMania Backlash. Probably gonna... This is where I have to fucking, you know, do my recaps and shit like that, you know. Let me go. Overall thoughts. The pre-show is pretty useless. Moss cut a decent promo. The people had to state the obvious. Oh my god, he's kind of compelling with the gimmick. Like, yeah. Have you not seen the formula for this company as it continues to die and how people would... You know, be better under, you know, would be better off the shackles of WWE on the surface, basically. You know what I mean? Like, have people not noticed that that's the formula all the time? But the show was solid, like, was solid show. Like, you, like, if you watch this as a one-off, but the thing is, the, is the quality in the matches is not the issue most of the time. It's just the same type of creative for talent other than a few people. It's not really going anywhere. They managed to take, like, six-match card and make it almost three hours when you could have, like, probably be done by 10 if you really want to be completely honest in canada we got a bunch of video packages so i don't know if peacock was getting commercials or whatever but this could have been like less and i'll thank them for not putting more matches on even though it is weird that this is like there's only one title defense on the card and normally i would not mind that to make up make other title matches feel special but the titles have been useless for the most part i never buy into the hype of for putting cred on like mid-card titles when for the most part they have not really fucking mattered and you give away matches all the time you don't let other people get over on another another fucking level and then you want us to give a shit about people who don't have titles right Cody and Seth seem to be the one, one, the one without the title, one with the titles, uh, without the titles who seem to matter the most. There's no one in sight that's gonna beat Reigns anytime soon. You could have had these heels lose the main event because there's an old school feeling of the main event being like an in your house international incident main event with you know Shawn Michaels, Sid, and Ahmed Johnson versus Bulldog Owen and Vader. But Vader won the match and he pinned the champion and he got a title shot. Reigns gets a definitive win over Riddle, albeit he didn't pin Drew. But why wouldn't one of the Usos take the pin? Is Drew going to be the guy to face him in Hell in a Cell? Possibly. Probably, but it feels nothing creative will matter during the build. The overly done video packages, which I can appreciate, but I'm supposed to buy into these epic video packages when I've seen the creative and watched the television, and maybe that's my own fault, but any of the wrestling on the show, you could have gotten on an episode of Raw for the most part. 
But maybe that's the kind of, you know, cool about this is that people not on the card will have a fresh stuff for Raw. Like the women will have something fresh to do and you didn't waste a Bianca didn't waste a Bianca match for some for, for, for nothing feud with Sonya. Although it would have been cool to see Bianca perform because you know she's one of my uh favorite wrestlers in the company from a in ring standpoint and all that, you know? But I find this was like but 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 uh you're fine, this was like a you know, a decent card, but it feels like it was more about the discourse online. Whenever Rain performs, there has to be Omega comparisons. Because Rain kills in these matches. Or we'll have discourse of Cody doing the Money in the Bank Stadium promo package. Which is going to take place in Vegas. Where Double or Nothing started. So it's extra ballsy for them. And a wink nod thing that they're doing for. You know what I mean? And then of course Wrestling Twitter had it. was so bored. The only controversy that could take place was that fight the Fightful account. Writing a sex on the timeline about wanting to touch someone's inner thigh. And of course they had to like do the Irma Gerd hack thing. You know what I mean? So people can act like it's so wild. It was one of the most try-hard social media antics done like that. I, 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 you know, it was one of the most try-hard uh, antics that done that I've seen beaten into the ground. But I mean, if if there if there if there is uh, if there is uh, you know ever if there's every you know um, but if there is every a popular what am I trying to say here, man? Hold on a second. But if there is ever ever a popular ruthless aggression trope on the timeline. It's probably relating to being horny on the main, on Twitter main, basically. See, see, even I butchered. So you can goof on me in private about how I butchered that. I I would edit it out, but you know I'm not good at that shit. So who gives a shit about it? Like those, you think anyone's really listening to my fucking podcast for the fucking WrestleMania backlash? I, I'm you know I'm sure people left by now. You know. Started with Cody and Seth, which is why, uh, which is why, no, which is why not. Who gives a shit? I'll I'll get into my life thoughts since I had to write this after the fucking show for some reason. I don't know why I do these grandiose intros for the recap. I feel it comes off limited with with, with uh without my before and uh, before and after the show thoughts. You know what I mean? Even though even though most of the shit doesn't really fucking matter really. Uh, so Seth was Cody. I was hoping they would get. Ma- I, I was ho- I was hoping they would get the match that I didn't care about out of the way first, but it's fine to start off. A uh, half half ass promoted show with one of the better matches on the card. I was wondering how they would impress the crowd since this match was built on since the last match was built on Seth not being prepared. So now maybe the match would be more compelling and hard fought. I just don't feel the excitement I do when I recap an AEW live event because since I never recap live uh, uh, for WWE unless it's the pay per view. But none of this uh, has been a compelling build. I I I would see this. Uh, I would see if this uh, match would. Uh, uh, would change my my opinion. Like I said, the show quality wise should be good, but will they follow up with good shit creatively? You know what I mean. I did like the promo package they set up, and Cody comes off better in these video packages. That's the one thing that AEW kind of lacks. That from WWE is they have these great video packages to make these feuds seem even more salvageable. But can you imagine these kind of pro the these kind of uh, you know these promo packages for like something that has substance. I, although this is one of the, uh, the, the uh, although this this uh, was one of the uh, better built matches, anyways, Cody versus Seth. They didn't overdo it. They didn't really give away the match over the last several weeks, other than some glorified house show multi man match that was for more about Orton's twenty year anniversary. So the environment was very lively for the match. You know, uh, so starting, Cody backflips over for a back suplex attempt. 
or some shit, whatever. And then he goes for an uppercut where he lays on the mat and blocks it. Uh, they didn't have the strength, and Cody has Seth in the corner, clean break. Then Seth has Cody in the corner. Does not give a clean break, kicks him in the midsection. So they get the cradle, they keep pausing after each sequence, and, you know, like, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, just to get the fucking, uh, you know, reaction. They keep jockeying for position with uh, standing switches. Cody finally has enough, and then Seth escapes outside before Cody can do the 10 punches. Cody's in pursuit when he gets back in after chasing Seth. He gets uh, beat up for a bit. Seth ends up doing a leaping knee strike onto Cody, who gets knocked off the apron. They fight outside until Cody chases Seth, who's on the other side, but then he's lured in and gets turned inside out by a clothesline. They fight for a bit, and then Cody eventually gets an uppercut on the ground that he had, and then he does a vertical front suplex. He flattens him front, you know, right on his front, and then he does a disaster kick for a near fall. Seth tosses him over the ropes as Cody was going for another disaster kick. Seth gets the advantage for a bit after throwing him into the barricade, which uh, Gray referred to as the gnarly landing. I don't know what the... What, I, I never heard it referred to as a gnarly landing, you know what I mean? They strike back and forth for a bit until Cody gets a hammer thrown, sternum first, a la Bret Hart. Uh, the action kind of slows up for a bit, but Seth has the advantage. Seth blocks the sunset flip by pinning him, but Cody got one, and then... Uh, uh, and then on the t- on the top rope, Cody's trying to go for a superplex, but he did a standing vertical before hitting the superplex. They go for a chop fest for the next while, and then they really start teeing off each other. Cody gets a power slam and a clothesline over the top rope. Cody charges up the ropes and does a dive, and then Seth moves out of the way for Cody to crash into the floor. Cody starts a toe pay, but then goes for a springboard cutter onto onto uh you know Seth for a near fall. I put onto Cody for a near fall. Uh, Cody counters a pedigree and Seth catches him with an integrity super kick. Seth starts to play the orchestra. You think it was the beginning of my fucking podcast, essentially. Uh, Cody off the top gets kicked into the midsection f- for a pedigree, but Cody counters and teases one of his own, but Seth goes for a falcon arrow after he clubbed Cody right in the back of the neck. Cody uh, Cody went for another disaster kick and gets caught into a buckle bomb, and then Seth decided to do a frog splash that got some serious hype, uh, serious height. Still not as good as Montez Ford's, but, you know. Seth goes for the Phoenix Splash, but he rolls through, and then he gets super, he gets super kicked by Cody. Cody goes to the top, but Seth gets a superplex, rolls through for another one. Cody gets a crossroads, and Seth gets a throw on the rope. They fight outside for a bit because Cody is getting more frustrated. Now Cody goes to the top, goes for a really dope moonsault. Seth pedigrees him. Nothing was done, but Cody kicked out of the last second. This, this at this point, may be better than their Mania match quality-wise, while the Mania match felt like a bigger deal, obviously. Now Seth is getting really frustrated. He's doing the Dusty Rhodes punches, and Cody gets one uh, gets one crossroads, and then he he gets kicked out. He gets kicked out, um, but you know he gets kicked in the head at the second attempt that he did, and then they counter for a bit until Cody goes for a vertebraker, and they do a bunch of roll ups instead of trying to grab the tights. But then ultimately Cody gets another one, and he finally wins when he pulled the tights. I would have thought they would have had Seth win, so they do a rubber match, but who's to say that they'll stop? But this is like this is not AEW where you know it's not gonna finish this feud really. You know, Cody should definitely move on, but you know, getting the pin after by cheating after Seth cheated will be part of the story now, and Seth will bitch about it. So the initial match was Seth not being prepared, even though in real life kayfabe he probably knew. But since this company is a reality show format, Seth had a sports entertainment kayfabe excuse to politic another match. And now these guys knew each other, knew how to counter each other throughout the match, and so they had their shit scouted out. So now Seth tried to cheat, and then Cody did it back to him to win the match. It's just weird that Cody won this one. I'm sure Seth will do something personal to extend this. I want Cody to move on, but this is going to be a lengthy feud. It just I wish Seth would bring 
would bring his character to Earth a little more for the creative. Like, I, I don't want to see him in a lame fucking stick if he's going to be infuriated by this loss. You know what I mean? The chances will be a hell in a cell match, most likely. Uh, Jimmy Smith did say Cody had ring rust for not being there for so long, but I think Corey or Byron actually said that he's been wrestling since then, you know what I mean? But Jimmy Smith is an example of someone who's doing the sports entertainment for the WWE kayfabe vibe, you know? While Corey's being someone who can get a bit of freedom in kayfabe to acknowledge that Cody has been uh, where Cody has been, you know, he's been somewhere else. But I anticipate Seth will make it even more personal to get to the next match. But for all I know, Cody might actually move on. You know? Something tells me Cody's definitely probably going to win the Money in the Bank match. And that's how he gets into facing Reigns. And that's where the magic will be made when he actually acknowledges AEW. So this will be, this is one of the best matches of the night. I enjoyed it. You can debate which match was better, but this one was dope because the story of now Seth being, not, now Seth not being at a disadvantage and now being surprised and not not being surprised, but now there's another issue which technically should make that snap, but he will get more cartoonish promo that'll be overbooked for the next few weeks. Hopefully not, but Cody has been killing in these matches since returning, and Seth and him have, like, really good chemistry, but this is probably the best match next to the main event, maybe. Actually, I, I enjoyed the women's title match second best, I think. I believe it should have uh, been the main event, but since the title match, um, and nothing really, since, since the title match, and nothing really mattered result-wise in the six-man tag, since nothing was on the fucking line, you know what I mean? Ronda, you know, Ronda won the match, but you could have had the, had it be a happy ending to the pay-per-view, but this company is on, you know, on another level of, you know, another path to being self-destructive, basically. Um, almost versus last, I didn't care for this match going in, but I was going to try to be open-minded for, for the pay-per-view, because maybe, you know, there will be something impressive, or this will confirm my theory that since this company is falling, that it, and it's so villainous, does this continue to get worse and worse? And it'll be a nonstop discourse how they made mistakes of MVP being away from Lashley. Then we'll reminisce about the Hurt Business again for the millionth time or some shit. But I just wish MVP had a better client that could work properly, you know what I mean? It would have made more sense for MVP to actually manage Veer since he's kind of being pushed, but maybe MVP recruits him as well. Um, but maybe, who, who fucking knows? Maybe you'll get Veer and Omos as a tag team or some shit, I don't know. I do feel ultimately MVP is going to be the guy that Lashley will eventually feud with since he keeps trying to interfere, plus the past connection, obviously. But Lashley gets the advantage until MVP distracts, almost gets the advantage by taking him down. Some avalanches dominates him, and there's a snake eyes in the corner. He actually did a decent high boot. Lashley slides off Omos' back and gets in a choke by jumping on his back, but then Omos tosses him away. Lashley gets some repeated offense off the shoulders in the corner and strikes. Locks him up in the ropes like Andre the Giant spot. That spot took me back. They should do that more often with this guy, I guess. It, it would it'd probably help, you know, kind of like make his matches more interesting. MVP tries to interfere, but then Lashley goes outside um, and, to, to, you know, put him in the lock. I put, I put butt him in the lock. But then almost grabs him, lashes does a jawbreaker on the rope, flatlines him, and then gets almost down to a knee and then applies the hurt lock. Eventually almost stands tall and backs Lashley in the corner and gives him the advantage. The kind of sequence you're seeing with Lashley getting comebacks is done a lot more. What was I saying? The kind of sequence you're seeing with Lashley is getting uh, getting comebacks is being done a lot more. I don't, I guess like the same. I think I'm trying to say that the the same type of fucking move he's doing to make comebacks is being overdone. Basically, I think that's what I'm trying to say. But this is like me not. This is me typing while I'm fucking eating my fucking dinner or some shit. You know what I mean? Um. Let me see. Uh, Lashley eventually does a spine buster choke. 
not as high as you could you lift them on, as high as you can lift them, basically. But almost so cuts off his momentum and tosses him into the ring post. MVP hits last year with the cane, mind the rest back, and then Omar does a tree slam for the win. It's not really that good, but he told a good story. It was better than the Mania match. But it was a simple story being told that I don't mind, but this could have been, say, for Raw or some shit. I feel the pay-per-view should have been should have been MVP, if you're being completely honest, but they will get to that eventually. I'm hoping that the surgery that MVP had on his knee or some shit, maybe it's his celeb way of getting stem cell shit to fix some of the nagging injuries and, you know, re-up his, like, you know, his mobility. And he's been healing, he's been, he's been healing uh, for the last while or some shit. And when he does wrestle, maybe he'll be more mobile like he was in 2007 or some shit. I'm I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping that he'll impress us, right? Because he's kind of you know what I mean. He's kind of he's kind of slowed down a little bit since he's been returning. You know what I mean? Like you know, like you know what I mean. He 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 needs those Illuminati connections essentially. You know. Um. You know. Um. Who was I? I I said I I wish uh, I'm sorry, I'm not into the storyline. I wish they built Lashley. Um, I wish they built Lashley having this implosion with MVP because it was like subtle tension previous months, but then it disappeared and then it came out of nowhere. And maybe that's what's missing to to get me interested because if Lashley's a face, that's cool, but you're not really giving him much to work with. Like if you can cut his own promo, it doesn't really help that the feud isn't that great because he can say words for a promo, and I don't think he, I and I don't think he can like talk. But I don't think he can talk me into the building for this kind of feud really, mainly because I, I you know, he. He can't really talk me into the building. I mean, I don't think anyone can talk me into the building, mainly because I need a handler to watch me and accompany me in different places. But, I mean, the shitty jokes aside, you know what I mean? I'm sure this will go on again since they're one, one apiece, but I wish to... We, I wish we got a dope angle that shot that was shot that makes me more interested in this. You know what I mean? It's just more sports entertainment shit than I always see. I did like the Andre the Andre Giants part of getting tied in the ropes. That's been missing from, you know, the big man thing since Omos feels like a giant right out of the 80s. So, you know, he does seem to fit the bill for that kind of shit. So, I mean, this is okay, I guess. Edge and Styles going out, wondering who was going to interfere since they said the priest was banned from ringside, which is a key way to get someone new to show up. People thought it was going to be Balor, so I wanted to see if it would be the obvious, or would it at least get a tag match right before we got Balor trying to heal. Maybe they didn't want to prove me right by trying to make it seem like we're going to get some Bullet Club reunion or some shit on any level. The video package made this feud feel more tolerable, even though I'm not really buying into the group, and I feel Edge is playing more of a sports entertainer rather than a real, real character he was playing for the last two years anyway someone did interfere and i'll get into it but it was not balor and it, it was what i expected it to be you know what i mean i thought you should have saved that reveal for tomorrow but once they randomly brought brought up how they need to ban priests from ringside it feels like such a trope in the attitude era to go oh look that person is not allowed at ringside so how will you how will the heel overcome all this you know the odds and all that and you and, 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 and then you think it's genius because someone didn't interfere that wasn't connected you know but you could have had the surprise, but then revealed to take place on you know on television. But maybe they needed them to show who they are, so it might entice us to want to watch. They told a good story, but the thing is, I'm not really into the character of Edge. And Styles has kind of been booked like an idiot over the last several years, so it's like they had to really sports entertain this presentation for the feud. But maybe with this new addition, there will be more substance to it. You know what I mean? 
right away Styles tees off on him, gets a drop kick, Edge uh, um, beats up Edge outside, and then they slow it down a little bit. Edge is trying to escape the ring. Styles baseball slides him and then does an acai moonsault, and then does a phenomenal forearm, but Edge high boots him off the rope and gets an advantage, and Edge throws Styles into the corner. Styles slides right into the bottom part of the ring post. Edge catapults Styles into the ring steps, then slams his head into it. Um, you know, busy working on the shoulder. The shoulder was a fucking whole thing there. Ice has control. Styles uh, tries to fight back. To, uh, you know, tries to fight back uh, to work on. Uh, no, Edge has control. E- even when Styles tried to fight back, but to, to then to work on his shoulder. So Edge did that. He even did a DT on the arm rather than the head. I forget what it's called. You know, when I'm doing this live, Edge gets a pelly. Uh, Edge gets hit with a pelly kick, which was. Which has given Styles a chance to get some advantage, but then they both collide together when they uh, both go for cross bodies. Styles fires off a bunch of forearms and does a wheelbarrow slam, kind of. Styles gets a run off the top rope, and uh, and as he and Edge were like fighting, we're jockeying for position. Uh, Edge goes for the execution, but Styles drops him with something. I forget. I didn't see. I was like, you know, Ed, but Edge snaps his shoulder. Edge, but Edge snaps his shoulder and goes for the cross face. Um, but Styles breaks out and gets a calf crusher until Edge tries to get get to the ropes. But then he uses his other free hand to slap Styles' head down. But then Styles still applies it after he teases that he he let go of it until Edge then gets to the ropes. Edge German suplex. Um, Edge German suplexed and grabbed the buckle padding. No, Edge gets German suplex as he grabbed the buckle padding with him, um, with him as he landed. Then Edge tried to spear Styles, and he hit the exposed turnbuckle in the second turnbuckle. But Edge did eventually get the spear for a near fall. Styles is a step up knee. Styles eventually gets the pin. Uh, gets the get the pin. Get the Styles clash with, with the one good arm. He was like struggling with it, but then Edge barely kicked out. Styles is struggling to even do the phenomenal forearm because taking you know. Strike, you know, his, his shoulder strength for four, you know what I mean? But Priest in the aisle, but he can't come to ringside. You know what I mean? Like, like, like in Kayfabe, there's a line, basically. But then Balor attacks him, and then they go into the ring, and they brawl out, and then they brawl back outside of the ring. And then someone kind of, like, pulls Styles down on his, into off the ropes, and then they're hooded, and then the Edge gets the cross face, wins the match. But he clawed the face, and he did the variation to change up the cross face. A, a very good match. Not exactly the best match, but it told a good story, and I wish it was not uh, so over-the-top with the sports entertainment character-wise, but... Um, that now it takes for it takes for this match a little bit, and then when the masked person gets in, you can tell it's a woman with how smaller she seems. But they had to add extra shock by commenters adding, "Is it a guy?" Or, like acting like it's a guy, but it's not. And they could have just kept quiet and let the reveal speak for itself. But it was obvious it was gonna be. It was obvious it was it was going this way, and I'm 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 not mad at that whatsoever. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so it was Rhea Ripley, and she needs it. And maybe this group will be better with her in it. You're, you're, but her hair being dyed, you know, kind of looked like Vito Jr. from Sopranos when he went through his goth phase. You know what I mean? The haircut's kind of the same a bit. You know, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just promised, you know. I promise I'm not trying to be an asshole. You know what I mean? Are you misgendering her? No, I'm I just, you know, she kind of reminded me of Vito with the, with, with the black goth hair. You know what I mean? But I'm sure I, I I'm sure I accomplished it despite not being you know my intent of you know being an asshole you know no matter what no 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 matter what if this angle hits or not people on social media will gas shit up you know regardless but uh he, like you know but Liv is feuding with her and aligning with it's probably gonna be aligning with Styles and Balor and they're talking about her being a new Bullet Club babe since Amber you know I mean she's been the first one since Amber Gallows I think right 
it'll be a complete parody, but I'm sure if if that happens and Liv actually ends up leaving this company, she'll probably legit join the Bullet Club because anyone that makes connection with the Bullet Club in another company will eventually like kind of have that connection in in another company. You know what I mean? But I hope Liv gets something out of feuding with Rhea. But I can, but I can't wait for the. I can't wait to see this shit play out since everything in this company is designed to be going down. I feel like even though the aesthetic of a new group and someone seemingly getting a new opportunity will actually be designed to try and succeed but if this company is kind of designed to be shitty creative it makes you wonder if this group even gets better or does it get more cartoonish with all these sports entertainment promos you know what i mean i hope it turns out to be great but i'm, I'm glad that you know edge recruited someone from the women's division to be part of this because it could give the women's feud some more uh, you know the women's division some more interesting importance since it's last on since Rhea's the last to this group basically you know what i mean with edge you know with edge as a leader so i mean who knows the match itself was pretty good Still not one of my favorites of the night, but it was still pretty fucking good. I think I like this. I, I think I like this one better than the Mania match. Now that I think about it, but I just wish Styles' character has been more on fire. Like he's barely been doing anything worthwhile for the last few years. And even though the storyline started off really compelling, but since Mania, the feud has been really spooky backstage sports entertainment stuff that takes me out of it. And and don't even get me started on Balor because he's not felt like anything since coming back to the main roster in in, in the summer, basically. Then we had uh, Ronda versus Charlotte. You know, this is one of my matches of the night. These women have good chemistry. I think Charlotte's character is perfect for the I quit match stipulation with how obnoxious her voice becomes and seeing her character have to kind of sell pain. She plays the character well. And just, I wish both these ladies had better creative around it. But if I didn't watch any of the television, I just saw the Mania match and this match, I would think this is one of the more premier rivalries in pro wrestling right now. But the build has not done any favors. And I refuse to believe it's because this company knows... Uh, doesn't know what they're fucking doing. They could make something compelling in a second if they wanted to. I didn't realize Charlotte was going to get married, uh, so and it, you know get married anyway. So it made sense why she would lose the match because they gave a just reason for why she'll not be on television for the next few weeks or so. But this was like really solid match, even better than the Mania one. It didn't need bells and whistles of going into the crowd. Cause that part for me, just just for the sake of the visual a wild brawl being in the crowd, where not much is really happening, does not make it any better for me. You know what I mean? They should have uh, just stayed in, in, in within the ringside area. I thought it would have been more submission orientated, but they did some hardcore stuff with weapons. I should have known better, but they did a good portion of it for both. So and even mixed it up in the in the finish, which was really fucking solid. So Ronda gets some judo throw. Charlotte gets something. I missed it. I missed the, the, the you know like you know I wasn't typing in because I was having a cigarette. You know what I mean? I came in a little late, and drops and then he she drops her, but Ronda gets a variation of a suplex throw. Ronda didn't want the mic in her face. Charlotte gets a German. Ronda does a running step up knee. Uh, on Charlotte and rolls through it for an arm bar and then, and then they topple outside rams her into the barricade Ronda does not quit when they put the mic in her face Ronda sends her into the ring post eventually uh, Ronda goes where Charlotte um, is behind the barricade Charlotte just high boots her she does not want to quit Charlotte uses a kendo stick but hits a table and Ronda gets a bunch of strikes and grabs a kendo stick the commentary talking about Charlotte using the candlestick back in Survivor Series in 2018, so you're running back that kind of consistency. Charlotte runs back to the back and then brings out two candlesticks. She gets Ronda with those, but then Ronda blocks them, and then the monkey flips her, and, then, and while she's doing that, she grabs the two sticks from her. She does the Star Wars pose and starts whacking her with those, with, with, with those sticks. And then, uh, you know, and then Charlotte sounding like Hogan in, like, 87, saying, hell no. 
you know, to quitting. Remember when Hogan promo after the Andre Giant turned on him, he's going to quit, whatever, and Hogan goes, hell, that's how fucking Charlotte Blue sounded. Uh, Charlotte's trying to run away, and she launches the camera at Ronda, but it misses. But, dude, she really fucking launched this fucking camera, dude. It was, if Ronda didn't move, like, I don't know what would have happened, man. That was, that was an insane spot. Um... Uh, but then, so then they go brawling in the crowd. Ronda says no to quitting. I was ready for a CM Punk, a CM Punk, a CM Punk nod by telling you know her t- telling uh, Charlotte to eat shit basically. Charlotte wraps Ronda. Don't worry, we 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 got our fucking swearing in, in, in towards the end of this match. Charlotte wraps Ronda into the railings. They fight down the stairs. Eventually, she Ronda grabs a chair from Charlotte that she was gonna use when Charlotte goes back to the ringside and high boots the chair. And then Charlotte high boots the chair out of her hand, then slams her head against the announce table a couple of times. The crowds chant they want tables. They didn't get tables, and they kept chanting. This was hilarious to me. Charlotte power bombs her against the barricade. She keeps the pie facing her, yelling for her. It's, it's her title. Ronda gives her the Piper's Pit. Goes for the Piper's Pit, but then, she, uh, but then Charlotte gouges the eyes and ra- and, ram- and then rams or drives her into the ring post. Ronda cuts Charlotte off at the top, but then Charlotte is in a tree of woe position. And they're both on, both on the outside part. And Ronda's on the apron and has the arm bar, and Charlotte keeps screaming no into the mic, but then they both fall down onto the floor. Cole says Charlotte may have survived, but, she, but maybe she didn't. Like, she clearly did. Um, Pat asked if that was a fiend in the front row or something. I think there was like a fucking character playing that, but 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 fiend was tr- trending. Whatever Pat McAfee says, everything trends basically. Um, but anyway, Charlotte hits Ronda with a steel chair. Uh, Charlotte gets a natural selection on in, in onto a chair basically, inside the ring. Uh, Charlotte applies the figure eight after Ronda was trying to block it. Ronda screaming, "Never bitch!" and it breaks out um, and breaks out and throws a chair at her. But then Charlotte still kicks 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 at her, and knocks her down. The crowd still wants tables, apparently. Charlotte says this is her last chance. This is Happy Mother's Day. As she has, a, as she has a, like a chair, like, you know, seated, right? She's going to do something with it. But then Rhonda pulls her arm through the chair and then applies the arm bar. Charlotte does not quit. And then Rhonda says she knew she would say that. She was hoping she would say that. And she twists it and torques it more, where the arm is fully, the arm bar is fully applied. And then Rhonda wins. When Charlotte screams, she quit. I thought it was like the right winner and it needed to happen since the feud was not lighting the world on fire. So if Charlotte had won, I would have grown because. There would have been another month until Ronda gets it. Another month that Ronda gets it. You know, what I mean, eventually, I assume they would face it hell in the cell. Maybe they'll, they will, unless they want to put someone else to step up. Maybe returning Bailey, you could do Shayna, but that's too logical. And this company is transparently avoiding that. Where we'll wonder why they're not doing something that you know makes sense. That would be a instant home run with their past, right? But I think maybe they'll go with Lacey Evans since she set her eyes on the title. But they're trying to make her a baby face on the surface, which means it's designed to fail, even though their intention could be to make it feel like a heel thing to to the online contingent, since it has some military cultish feel to it when uh, they say they're demanding respect after telling us some of the most traumatizing shit that happened in your life, basically, you know what I mean? But uh, maybe they'll kind of, you know, start turning Ronda into a heel a bit, and it'll backfire some shit. I don't know. If they're intending at, the, at their core to get Lacey over as a face, then she would probably end up facing Charlotte most likely, right? Because Kayla later on confirmed that Charlotte had a fractured radius, so she'll be out for a bit. I guess she could still come back from her honeymoon in time for Hell in a Cell, so they could go to this, but it still feels like maybe she'll be gone for a month or so. But I would let Charlotte come back after the pay-per-view and then elevate and then elevate someone else to face Ronda for Hell in a Cell. I mean, I hope they do Bailey. I hope Bailey does come back. It doesn't have to be in a Hell in a Cell match, you know what I mean?
to just be a regular fucking match. And then we had Moss versus Corbin. The video package could not even dress his feet up to me. It seemed better. You know what I mean? It actually came off a little, even more lame to me. I just hate these feuds and these characters are not doing it for me. I wanted to... I wanted to, not to jot down everything, but then if it's good, then I'm not doing the recap service, but who gives a shit? I think most people turn it out, turn off this fucking podcast after my first couple hours of rants on, and then leave when the actual recap starts. You know what I mean? Because who wants to hear a fast stuttering guy fucking, you know, mess up even writing and getting mad at, you know, his fucking mess-ups while, you know, he's reading the recap that he thought he was doing a genius thing, doing genius things with, you know what I mean? Corbin has the advantage until Moss gets a dope hip toss. Moss is on the apron. He tries something, but Corbin boots him and then gets tangled in the ropes. He chokeslams Moss. And they're outside. He drives him into the post with a jumping knee. Has the advantage for a bit. Corbin does a boss man slide where he runs back into the ring and then clotheslines him. Maybe Moss finally gets the advantage with a clothesline over the top. Then he runs the ropes a bunch of times and shoulder blocks um Shoulder blocks him outside and then tees off on him. He gets a fall away slam eventually. Corbin gets a back suplex for a near fall. Corbin got a deep six for a near fall. Moss eventually gets a sunset flip. And Moss eventually gets a sunset flip for the win. This is a clearly going number. I didn't want to pay this match attention. I was looking to, I was looking to channel uh, comedy prowess to come up with something other than saying that Baron, Baron Corbin looks like a metrosexual Charlie Brown, right? But I came up with that he would probably play Mr. Furley if he was cast in a new dramatized modern version of Three's a Company. This is where my mind was during the review. I didn't care for about this, but it, didn't, it, it doesn't really matter how much of a uh, decent match this gets. The creative at the bottom of the barrel shit for me. I just, I, I don't want, I, I don't, I just don't want to give a shit about any of these guys. Like if they're if they're allowed to be themselves and not do this overly sports entertainment bullshit and kayfabe, and I fucking stand on it, I you know I fucking can't stand, but I can't stand anything about this really. You know what I mean? This is the, this is the almost match where like the only match that I didn't really care for whatsoever. They're decent in the ring, but I'm not, like, into any of this shit at all. Then we had the final, final match. Uh, I was just about to go over the, you know, I was just about to go, about to, uh, I was just about over the the show, even with the six matches, but then, but man, there are just way too many video packages, and I already am sick of the multiple ones for this match. I knew it would be a quality match, but I was just ready for it to be over, especially when this main event, main, the, the main storyline online, where, you know, where, where basically the main, the, I was paying attention more to the fightful fucking storyline online. You know, like the one, you know, where like, you know, someone fake hacked a tweet for some attention, debating because whoever writes for Fightful account wanted to rub someone's inner thigh, but this is how boring everyone, how boring everyone, how boring every, how bored everyone was online. When, um, they had to create this shit over the interest in, over the interest of, um, into the matches, basically. And quite frankly, there was probably more interest in the Fightful fucking being horny than any, than some of the fucking matches that were going on. It was certainly better than Corbin versus Moss, right? Um, I just didn't really care from all the creativity I've, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen of the stuff. I had a few minutes between waiting for the matches. Roman Reigns and entrance takes like twenty fucking hours. Riddle does an assistant moonsault with Orton, basically. Jimmy and uh, Jimmy after Orton, you know, has some strikes. I expect Riddle just to take most of the damage until we get a hot tag or some shit. Riddle does a get, gut range and Drew's the next in line, so Riddle's in the ring. He will probably get isolated at some point. I said, and this is what I was predicting because that's always the same formula. Or Riddle's the one that gets the most work, gets the fucking, gets to be vulnerable. So, cause, but, but we need, um, you know. But we need our baby faces to get our shit in before the the, the, the heels are going to fucking do their heel shit, really. 
Drew gets some offense where he scouts the offense, but then he gets a vertical suplex. He wants Rain in, and Heyman is advising against him, and Reigns asks for the tag. He teases a face off, and then he tags in Jey Uso. He get, uh, Jey Uso gets dropped by J, Jay, uh, by Drew. Drew gets an overhead throw, and Riddle gets a tag. He stomps on Jey's hand. Then there's another gut wrench, and Jimmy does a Kamigiri from the outside, and they stomp on them. So then this feels like where and I go. This is where Riddle feels good, probably gonna take most of the punishment. They're just taking their time, not really doing much other than taunting and with kicks in here and there. They do the demolition style move, but Jimmy comes off the top rope instead. Reigns finally come, comes in and throws Riddle down. He taunts Drew and Orton. He gets a urinagi. Um, Jimmy is in. He misses a move into the corner, but for Riddle to try and get the tag. But Jay shoves, uh, sh- uh, shoves him into... Uh, the ring pose, and then Jay blindsides Orton with the super kick. They keep doing the We the Ones pose over and over again. This is like, this is getting annoying because like you can just finish this fucking matchup, especially for a match that had nothing on the line, basically. Riddle does his own running knee kick or whatever, what, what the fuck it is. Riddle tags Drew in eventually, you get the hot tag, and Reigns is tagged in, uh, you know, and then, so now, you know, he's hesitating a little bit, but then he goes and they face off, they tee off each other. Uso's on the floor, so Drew and Reigns tee off, and then Drew gets a bunch of clotheslines and, and an overhead throw and then a neck breaker he go and then he gets one of the Usos with it as as well he kips up and sets up for the claymore but then Jay Uso gets, gets on the apron and Rain gets a Superman punch he gets a bunch of clotheslines under Drew and then a massive jumping one uh, he brings both titles into the ring to hold up and pose for them a little bit uh, Riddle gets knocked off the apron by Reigns while Orton is trying to get him uh, get at him but Drew uh, hits a Reigns with a claymore really fucking fast like he brushed out, out of nowhere Orton gets the tag and gets an offense on Jimmy and gets a power slam and then does the same uh, to Jay. Then he gets a draping DET on Jimmy. He sets up for an RKO but then Jay gets in the way and then Orton throws him out and then Reigns charges, uh, charges an RKO out of nowhere and then, J- and then Jimmy super kicks him and Orton kind of sells it like he's going to fall down but then he still does an RKO onto him. That was pretty sick. And Jay breaks up the count and Drew throw, throws Jay around and then Jay super kicks Drew going for a claymore. Then a double super kick by the Usos. Riddle's going to bunch of knee strikes onto, onto the Usos. Does, I think he does some kind of half and half. He misses a moonsault, but then gets a broton, and then a suplex, and then he goes for the floating bro for a near fall. Jay rolls uh, Riddle up where he goes for um, w- w- where he goes for an RKO, eventually gets a pop-up neck breaker for a near fall. Orton is brawling with Jimmy outside, Reigns off the top of the steps, gets a Superman punch. Drew sends him into the ring post, and then sweeps up the nose table, and is about to powerbomb him, but then Jimmy uh, intervenes, and then uh, and gets get, gets Hit with a Glasgow kiss, Reigns rock bottoms. Uh, you know, Drew through the table, and then a bunch of offense where everyone was landing on each other. Like I think Riddle did a moonsault, then Jimmy Tope. Some someone was t- t- doing that. I couldn't keep up with all of it. But then Jay and Riddle keep super kicking each other in, um, and doing and doing each other's offenses back and forth. Riddle charts on the top rope as Jay is on the top and gets an RKO. Gets RKO. Then Reigns is back in the ring and spears Riddle, and then he wins the match. I thought you thought this match was excellent and it was really quality. But I would have had the baby faces win on some level. I know Drew is definitely going to face Reigns, but he didn't get pinned. But one of the Usos could have been taken the fucking pin. I really thought Orton's spots with Reigns got more of a pop than Drew, Drew's did, actually. And I kind of wish Orton was the one feuding with Reigns to an extent, since Reigns has been you know this new dominant character for the last while. And Orton having this character being the legend killer and gone through so much phases throughout his career uh, of being dominant at times as well. In the last couple of years, him killing it as a character on the microphone, like the, like 
that would be a good matchup for this new Reigns in the, you know, this current fucking incarnation of his character. But I'm sure him and Drew will be fine. Maybe if you had more people over on a significant level, maybe it would not be detrimental that the title was not defended on the fucking show. But it's like you have no one on this level and it feels like because this company knows they're going down the tubes by design, they're really amplifying Reigns so much that when shit officially hits the fucking fan, it will fulfill its prophecy of Reigns being the face of the company while the company fails to a new lows, even if they're fiscally fucking killing it. But this was like, you know, a good show in an overall sense. I imagine, you know, the titles unification will happen on television. Or maybe they'll save it for Hell in a Cell or some shit. But so they advertise shit. Uh, and took it away, and people complained. I know the pattern will be that WWE ends up rushing things and doing things on television to get rating for a rating ploy. Just look how they sacrificed Big E's whole title reign on Raw. You know what I mean? Just for the sake of ratings. But if you watch the show, you can just watch Cody and Seth, the main event, Ronda and Charlotte, Edgewood and Styles. But this is um, this was gonna be the result. But this this is gonna be the result of the main event. You could have just had the women main event, and uh, since it was a title fucking match, and having the baby face win after you know title after you know a grueling fucking match it would have been made more sense to me i think it deserved to be the main event more than the trios match that we saw it felt like the main event was pointless but this could have been seen on but 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 this could have been seen on raw like you know like the quality is not the problem i just don't feel the i just don't feel the rush i feel after an aw pay-per-view unfortunately like maybe that's why i anticipate them so much because it's like every couple of months for a pay-per-view and there's consequences from these matches and i see an uptick in most shit in the company even the stuff that i don't think is hitting the way it should but there's more of an uptake with it you know what i mean and uh, you know um well, this company has, has a one-off great show but when i know i'll see the repeat matches and comedy angles for the next while but at least the show had lim- you know had such limited people on it that people who are not on it will feel a bit fresh since we didn't see that their shit exposed on pay-per-view i'm glad we didn't get see any comedy segments to get people on the card i would have at least uh, i would have at least added bianca match or something i'm glad we didn't get like ezekiel or owens you know what i mean i would not have been able, been able to handle that i'm i'm surprised i gave detailed thoughts on this because normally this product has not inspired me to fucking say shit about the product itself but analyze the real life storylines and narratives because that's where all the fucking effort is going in uh in this fucking world it's about the uh you know it's about the discourse online you know how inspiring a pay-per-view is creative that you know the the like you, you you know how inspiring peer review and its creative has been that the most intriguing thing online was the potential of like you know a a, a, rest, a wrestling news a Twitter account sending out a dirty sex in their timeline so we could all get a dosage of being horny on main for your feeds basically. It was sports entertainment storyline, but I was more intrigued by, again, like I said, I was more intrigued by that than fucking Corbin versus Moss feud. I just didn't give a shit about this product, you know what I mean? And I thought maybe, I just thought maybe with Cody back, I thought since we were getting people taking jabs at him and suddenly mentioning where he's been and him feeling larger than life uh, a little bit more since his last WWE stint, I figured we would get a little more excitement since I do not think down, so I do think down the line we're getting a WWE versus AEW invasion down the line. And I guess it's going to be spearheaded by Cody on some level. I feel he needs to get the title at some point. I think once he becomes champion, I feel that's where he finally actually turns heal a little bit if they let him go get over reigns part of part of part of me feels like uh since reigns is supposed to be their guy they're forcing down people's throats apparently right and this company works on being ironic by the way things always end up playing out and since it's always been, been the narrative that reigns is going to be their destruction and since they have not elevated anyone else it would be some shit if something happens where he has to leave for a bit and he 
forfeit the title and the irony of him going and WWE didn't push anyone else, so now everyone feels useless. That'll be the discourse. That's where my mind is at, and what's going to be the... And what's going to be the narrative online? Because believe it or not, the program and the product itself has become rather useless despite people working hard. But the storylines are more social media now. And when the companies don't plan, when the companies don't play by mom and pop rules, and things are done by design on some level, you can have fun with it while you think you're calling out a company on any level. They control the narrative. No pun intended. They control the negative narrative and they control the positive narrative narratives. This is this, that's when you know you have made it in this world. Anyways, you know, a good show, but in this day and age, there's that that's even more to grab you than just good matches. When we live in an era where there's no shortage of good and excellent matches on a weekly basis. So I actually finished this before. I the seven forty seven. I actually finished this before the paper uh, for Raw, which again, I I mean, I'm glad because then I I don't have to catch up with it later on, but. Holy shit. I, I, now I gotta sit through three hours of Raw. I hope I'm proven wrong. Maybe it's gonna be an enjoyable fucking show, maybe. Maybe, you know, they maybe they got word of my notes that I'm writing and they go, okay, well, we better fucking, you know, prove him wrong on any fucking level. Anyways, uh, take it easy. This is weird that I'm doing a podcast on a Monday. Normally I wait till like Tuesday or Wednesday maybe to do one again, but, you know, maybe I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more inspired to get like more out there because I'm I'm over 300 episodes now, you know. With like probably like you know a fifty 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 per people average listening to a, a, over three hundred episodes basically you know what I mean mostly you know what I mean like no no one listens to this podcast really you know and I'm sure the people that do listen are probably just doing it to take notes on so so they can steal from me or they can just make fun of me for being a fucking asshole completely you know anyways take it easy uh, thanks for tuning in uh, I'll probably be back during the week again.